Well, it is Monday. It is 7 p.m. Eastern time. And you know what that means. You are right here with Paranormally Blonde, Sarah and Dee. Hey, Dee, it's been a couple weeks. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it went by really fast. <laughs> yeah, you had, Dee Dee had a couple couple of, of weeks of some obligations and time off to uh, do DD things. And uh, I did fill in the first Monday. I had the Get Haunted family come on and we just played a little conspiracy game and chit chatted. Um, and then, yeah, last Monday, I don't know what happened. It was like, yeah, I'm going to go. Am I going to go? I'm, I, no, no, I'm not going to go. And, the, yeah, I'm, and then it just was like, no, I'm not going. So I, <laughs> I just, I bailed. It wasn't bailing on anything other than I just needed a, a day off as well. So, but we're here. It is Monday. We're back with all of you. Happy Memorial Day to each and every one of you. Um, we want to give gratitude and thank you to our our armed services for those that are serving that have served in that past we truly appreciate everything you have done to fight for our freedom um and so here we are we are right here with you guys today um how are you doing Dee? good <laughs> yeah yeah i started a new tv series uh oh my god i already forgot the name of it it's another sci-fi so i guess i'm like really oh. going off into sci-fi a lot lately uh, oh, but, yeah. um it's really good it's on i think netflix and it's basically 2026. So it's just a little bit into the oh. future. And they've got a TV okay. that I like. Their TV comes down. And no matter if you're sitting in the living room or the kitchen, it's the same screen. You can see it. <laughs> oh, so, nice. But it's cool because uh, basically aliens have made contact by landing something on our planet. And everybody's just okay. kind of living their life anyways. And they don't know why yeah. it's there. And so the hero of the show has flown out into space. And there's a lot mm. of space drama. So. Oh, and this is in 2026. Mm -hmm. hmm. Well, I, you know, I, I need to get more into sci-fi. I usually, maybe this one would be better for me since it's not like so crazy off into the future. Like maybe right. this is something I could relate to a little bit more. I don't know. Is it a lot of alien stuff though? Like, is it a lot of... No, so far we haven't really seen any aliens. We saw a craft and stuff, okay. but it's all like a mystery. And every time you think there's going to be like something, there's nothing, which I love because I don't want to see the monsters yeah. or the aliens. I want the whole what ifs and, you know, you don't yeah. know what's going to happen. So, yeah. Well, then I'm going to have to get that name and we'll we'll put it up there. <laughs> I just have to remember the name that. of it. <laughs> Yeah, we'll put that up on our, our pages so we can all watch along right along with you. Let's say hello to everybody that we've got on the side. We've got, um, here's Rob talking to himself. we got our Get On It Network <laughs> family. Uh, we've got Rob here. I saw Miss Danny is here. Thank you, guys. They had an amazing um, uh, event this weekend. They were at Mid-Orange Correctional Facility, and okay. that is in Warwick, New York and it was um, a sold out event for us and this is probably this was a big one we had um, I believe 40 maybe over 40 guests yeah. so we don't normally go that big but this one has I believe and correct me on the side I think we have something like five or six buildings on this at this particular location that they can go into so it can handle a little bit more people um, but they still keep them fairly fairly small groups and they had quite some some interesting stories Dee, if they're they've been sharing a lot of of the hey michael a lot of the um guests and and the crew have been putting out happy posts from that particular um event but i think that there were some big paranormal experiences there oh, so wow. this is an this is a location i definitely want to go check out um 
it looks really intriguing. So it's a, it's like a whole, I don't know if it's, it's a sports complex. So it, it is a correctional facility, but obviously not, no longer used for that. And now it's this sports con complex. So there's like soccer games going on out there. <laughs> so, oh, wow. right? And then, yeah. So I asked Rob on our last live on Wednesday, if you think having kids out there playing and stuff, like, does that help sort of get some of that energy especially sports, yeah. right? Especially football, soccer, mm -hmm. kind of some big energy. I wonder if that yeah. kind of helps kicks it up. I don't know. I wonder. Yeah. So we have Michael Greer here. Um, I know I saw some. So it, I guess it's Get Haunted, Michael and Danny. I don't believe that. They're all talking. Let's see. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> there was a lot of I, chatting. So, yeah, I'm still <laughs> scrolling. There's Miss, oh, there's Brittany. We have Miss Brittany is here. And there is our Stacy. Hey, Stacy. He was bummed we weren't on last Monday. He was like, hey, Aww. what am I supposed to do now on Monday? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see here. Michael, Brittany, Danny, Stacy, they are chatting up a storm. Holy hell. Uh, here is John C. Hey, John C. He's funny as hell. <laughs> Always enjoy Mr. John C. with his humor. Um, just trying to get to the bottom of this, folks. Here you go. Here's Sandra. Oh, good. You're, you're catching. Yeah. You're, you're ahead of me. <laughs> you got Brittany, right? I got Brittany. And then there's oh my god Pat Barker. Like, oh my god, gonna... what? <laughs> it's so much talk. Like that's I... what I was saying. It's it's pretty funny. <laughs> D Hoot. Hey D Hoot. Chris is here. Hey. Chris. Oh my. We're both clicking at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Holy hell. Well, I love that you guys are all talking. So do we even need a show? We'll just yeah. let them talk, we'll right? Give them the code and they can all go on and talk to each other. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, so um, fun and paranormal over the last two weeks that you were. Yeah, we're all like reading. <laughs> did, you, yeah, did you get to do anything over the two weeks? Paranormal? Uh, well, the the first Monday that I was off was my wedding anniversary and we went Happy to uh, Temecula to a winery. And so you, we went for wine tasting, right? And so they liquor you up. And then the next thing you know, you're signing a paper that you join a wine club. Uh oh, so there you go. To a wine club. Yay. <laughs> so I'll be having lots of wine and discounts. So <laughs> no, I love that. That's right. Get them drunk and then they <laughs> sign totally away they your life. But it was a yeah. beautiful winery and it was all Spanish themed. So yeah. Ooh, I nice. Nice. I love that. I love that. Um, all right. Well, we have, I'm really, uh, Sam says happy anniversary to you. What year was it, Dee Dee? 15. 15. Look at that. 15 years and a wine club. Yeah. <laughs> 15 years and a wine club. Yep. That's right. She is one of closer to drunk history. We're doing it. We're going to do it. We're going to have some fun with that. Um, were we talking, you have to remind me, John, were we talking about that when we were playing the conspiracy game? Cause that would be fun as well. We need to do the, the questions and everybody take a little drinky poo and, and just have some fun. Um, I don't know if anybody wants to see my first time to be drunk on here, but maybe we should probably make that, we should monetize that one though. I think yeah, definitely. who knows what's going to happen, right? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Um, so I'm super excited about tonight's show. This is, 
Um, this guest is somebody that Dee Dee has spoken about for a while. You actually have experience, correct, of investigating with this gentleman. Yeah. Um, and so you were like, I really would love to get him on. And we've talked about this. Um, and so uh, you first met him where? Uh, well, the first investigation we ever did was at the uh, California Theater in San Bernardino. Right. That's the one where I had that weird picture that you love so much where it looks like there's a guy. There's a I lot of weird do. stuff. You know, I really love mm -hmm. that location. I would mm -hmm. love to go there again. Um, and then uh, and then when this one came up, you know, we've talked through the times. Um, but then when this one came up in Temecula at the Hotel Palomar, I was like, oh, I'm definitely going. <laughs> yeah, I do. I love the theater one. That one, you know, I felt like there was a couple different pictures that you sent. Um, there is the one that looks like the gentleman that could be an usher, kind of mm -hmm. has that vibe of, yep. of the theater. Um, and then there's the other picture where I felt like I was seeing many people sitting in seats. That's right. The, it looked like there was like old timey people sitting on a bench. Mm -hmm. I forgot about that one. It's been a long yeah, time. There was like, yeah. There were some, I think there were some behind the glass and then maybe a couple in front of that. Yeah. It felt like it, it was yeah. like the, you, and I remember you took it. You're like, there was nobody over there. You were like, we were sitting across or something when you took the picture and you're like nobody was no no physical person was standing it's a there huge theater so you have like your main seating area and there was two sides of the theater and everybody went off to one side and i i like mm -hmm. you like to run off by myself and so i went to the other side with another couple and my husband um and so we were very separate and we came into the main theater area there was one guy there was a guy upstairs and i was like watching him where he was but mm -hmm. he was not in, is, you know, how it goes. In my yeah. memory, he wasn't there. I'm sure he wasn't dressed like an usher <laughs> wearing a vest. <laughs> no, he, so, <laughs> right, right, right. Hopefully not. But maybe or a couple of women part. sitting on a bench. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're going to be talking with uh, Mr. Craig Owens. Let's welcome him to our show. Hi, Craig. Hi, thanks for having me. We're excited. I know Dee Dee has been so excited to get you on here. Um, we were kind of just, we, we, we were sort of talking at uh, this beautiful bio that he has refined and we didn't get a chance to look at it yet, but I would love for you to share. I know you're an author, Craig, outside mm -hmm. of doing amazing um, investigations. Um, share with our circle of friends here exactly what, what it is you do in the paranormal space. Oh boy. Where do I begin? I wear many hats, but uh, um author, fine art photographer, uh, historian, and uh, paranormal researcher, and investigator. I do separate the two. Um, researcher actually goes back in, you know, my definition of a researcher is one that tries to find when the ghost stories started, who started them, and what I mean by when they started, when did they start uh, becoming part of the public discussion? When did they start popping up in media? in newspapers, mm -hmm. uh, television shows, and how they changed over the years. Um, historian, that's actually going back further and mm -hmm. finding the real history of this place, actually fact-checking historians, fact-checking Wikipedia, fact-checking mm -hmm. just everything. So I, I, I guess the short answer is I'm one of those guys that look, tries to look under every single rock I can find looking for information. 
I and love also your definition the, of the researcher. That that is amazing to me because I don't think many many investigators probably some some stories in the origin of the story obviously they're they're an obvious one like i would say amityville house right they they can maybe assume where that started from but how many of us really know where these stories actually started so kudos to you to like figure that where it did start and how it morphs that's usually the smoking gun as to whether or not a story is real or urban legend made up for marketing and um that's you know that's what i always encourage paranormal folks to do is look for when it started get get an get a subscription to newspapers.com or genealogy banker some of these archives and start like looking up when the ghost story started You'd be surprised. I mean, I can give one quick example off the top of my head. Is I don't know how many people out there are familiar with the Glen Tavern Inn in Santa Paula, but it, it's gotten national coverage for being one of the most haunted hotels in the country. Certainly one of the most actively haunted hotels in Southern California. And uh, but everyone keeps repeating the same urban legends over and over again and and even on their tours if you go on their their paranormal tours they'll tell you um it's about a gambler that was supposedly murdered cheating in cards in room 307 um and um and then the third floor of this building actually being a brothel or bordello during um, during the times. And, and I mean, you can look in online and you can look in various paranormal books and they'll say something like, well, old timers have long said this. So I, my question is, okay, who are these old timers? I mean, I want mm-hmm. names and I want dates, you know, old timers is too vague. And, and I cannot stand the phrase. Some people say, you know, right before they go into things. It's great for television yeah. because you're cutting in time and stuff. Right. But like right. what people are saying, what are some people saying? What does that really mean? Right. So I, I right. wanted to get like real specifics. Well, okay. I got the answers I was looking for with the Glen Tavern Inn. It was started in 1986, the marketing. And it was Halloween time. The proprietors of the hotel who took a lease were losing money. They had originally opened it up as a kind of a retreat for seniors. However, it didn't have elevator access, so it couldn't do all the things that it wanted to do as being like a country club for seniors and and run by health providers. So they had to come up with some other plan. Now, People had been talking about ghosts being there, and some of the staff certainly felt that the hotel was haunted. So I'm not saying that the ghost stories were, the ghosts were made up. What I am saying is they brought in a psychic from Ojai who did spirit writing, and we're talking mid-80s. So Poltergeist was still fresh on people's memories uh, as a big hit. So they came up with this contrived story about a gambler that was murdered for his loot. And they uh, didn't describe, now he's now got a name. Um, what, what is his name? I, I try to block it out of my mind. 
because it's <laughs> such an urban legend to begin with. Yeah. But it, he originally was called the Buffalo Bill Lookalike. Okay. And, and the psychic claimed to have seen him on the static picture of a television screen, which is very poltergeist, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and the spirit writing. And so um, that took off and they used that for marketing. There was no talk of a bordello. That came a year later as part of a tie-in because people were questioning the validity mm -hmm. of this murdered gambler story. So to hear people talk about it today, it's like some people say, or old timers will tell you, that mm -hmm. these things go way back to the teens. It doesn't. It started in the 80s as a marketing okay. ploy. And while I have stayed in room 307 plenty of times at the Glen Tavern Inn, and it is active. That whole third floor is active, but it is. it was never a bordello. It doesn't even make logical sense if you've ever been there because the floors are creaky and it's an old 1911 building. Uh, you, there's no way you could carry on a vice den on the third floor. Everyone on the second floor would hear it. Uh, when I go on the second <laughs> floor, I hear everything on the third floor. Yeah, yeah. So there's no way you can get away with a secret illicit club. Right. And But yet people will still love to tell the story. They still believe it. They go hunting for these ghosts. Calvin. Calvin's the name of the ghost. He went through three name changes since 86. He started out as the Buffalo Bill lookalike. Okay. Then he became Wilbur. And then he became okay. Calvin. Huh. Yeah. But this is, this is what, you know, and that's when I researched all of this, I put it in my book, Haunted by History, you know, volume one. It doesn't, uh, it, as well as other histories like the Hotel Del Coronado, the Mission Inn. But what I would do in these places is I would, it wasn't just enough to do the historical research or the paranormal research. I actually went there and staged vintage-like photos in the haunted rooms and then, and then monitor them afterwards. And I will say that the, the Glen Tavern Inn was extremely active and, and we frequently got interrupted, you know, during the shoots, uh, especially on that third floor. Um, so I can vouch that it's active. The photos turned out great, but I, I've always found that, and I found this out by accident, really, shooting uh, vintage photos in haunted places actually can stir up the paranormal. Um, I didn't, it didn't have, I didn't know the name of it at the time, but it has many different names, this technique. The theory of familiarization is the one I like to use the most mm -hmm. uh, in describing it. But uh, Ghost Lab, when they would do something similar, they would call it Era Cues. Yeah. When Ghost yeah. Hunters International did it, they called it the, Singa the Singapore theory. And then Ghost adventures on a very minor, small level would call it trigger objects. What I did was much more grand than that, in that we had people dressed as, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. in period garb, and we would bring in props, and we would stage, uh, we would stage things. We even staged the gambler photo, even though I, mm -hmm. I had figured it was urban legend, test the urban legend anyway. So yeah. we would stage stuff like that in room 307, just to see what kind of reaction there would be. And um, and it was always very interesting. I, I guarantee you that's probably 
my favorite way of ghost hunting. It's uh, it's can be pricey, mind you, but um, I, I find that it gives the best results. Well, you so you spirit in a photo, just doing a photo yeah. shoot. Like you weren't trying to get a spirit, but you did at the at the hotel Palomar. That's only one, only once, you know. Um, and it was funny because the night before that photo happened, um, and I'll describe the photo in a little bit, um, is that someone had asked me, "Do you ever use your camera to try to shoot to shoot ghosts?" And and I would say no. I mean, I thought it was a big waste of time. I'm renting this space. I'm paying these bottles. I've rented the um, <laughs> costumes and the props, and I'm feeding them and and paying for their lodging. It's like the last thing I want to do is waste my time taking grainy photos in dark rooms, you know? And I figured if a ghost happens, it's once in a lifetime thing. So I'm not going to sweat it. And, uh, and then uh, I also said, you know, I'm kind of leery of ghost photos to begin with because I've angered a lot of people in the past who've sent me like orbs and, other photos and I, I would try tactfully to explain to them that what it is from a professional photographer's point of view mm -hmm. <clears throat> and they'd get mad and block me or whatever but I was wrong when I told them that I always thought that ghosts don't cast shadows excuse me <clears throat> that ghosts don't cast shadows so I always look for the shadow you know well during my photo shoot at the Palomar, I was in the lobby and I, and I had it lit. It was even though it was late afternoon, I had it lit um, to look like it was like a basement. So I, you know, I had, I was casting shadows of bottles on the walls and uh, the Palomar didn't have a basement um, any more than the Alamo does. But, um, uh, but I had it looking kind of similar like that. And because, this building was built in the late 20s. I had a guy wearing a um, newsboy cap and I had this uh, fake replica um, machine gun, Tommy gun. And he's just standing on the stairs and he's aiming this up and he's just looking up. It's almost a throwaway shot, you know, something that I can knock out in 30 minutes and then we all go to lunch. I had him there and right in front uh, on the stairs, and then right in front of the, uh, on a table on the other side of the stairs were two stacks of wine tasting brochures. And so every like 10, 11 seconds, I would take a picture. I was constantly adjusting the aperture. It was, the camera was on a tripod, half second exposure. And uh, I was worried about light glares on some of the glass on some of the pictures. So I was really focusing on keeping him in character on the stairs and getting rid of the glare on the glass on some of these photos. Well, I finally got the picture. I went to the model and I showed him. And as we were flipping through the photos on the LED screen on my camera, there was this black mass, like really large in one of the photos. And I rem I'll never forget. He said, what the hell is that? And I said, <laughs> uh-oh, I don't know. <laughs> So I said, okay, guys, hold on. We're not going to dinner yet. I'm going to, you know, load this photo on my uh, laptop so I can get a better view. And sure enough, it was a human-like figure 
mm. black. And uh, I didn't have Photoshop on my, um, you know, laptop. It was strictly for storage and checking my stock portfolio. It was real high tech back then. And um, so, you know, I, I looked at it and it was just amazing to me because uh, right when I took it down and showed everybody, we looked at that table, those wine tasting brochures are gone. But in the photo, it looks like this character, this man that just came in and out that no one ever saw yeah. had, was in the process of removing the wine tasting brochures. Uh -huh. <laughs> so being and, and on top of that, it's casting a, a shadow of sorts. It's kind of a hazy shadow, but it's, so I, I became a dog chasing my own tail. I, I thought, did I, you know, I, I must've thought every scenario possible, including possibly, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm getting over a, a cold that I caught this week. The weather here has been crazy in LA, but, um, but I, I thought, well, did I go insane for five seconds or, one second did i completely lose my marbles did anyone see this guy no one mm -hmm. saw it um mm -hmm. we tried to reproduce it uh after dinner and we couldn't even really get close to reproducing what was captured then i took the photo the the camera home and i downloaded on my desktop which actually does have photoshop and when i brightened it the blacks revealed a lot more information it turned out this sucker, this guy, this whatever you want to call it, this mystery man, was wearing a pinstripe suit, buttoned very oh. tight to the torso. You could see the wrinkle of the fabric. You could see the cut of the pockets. But he's part uh, translucent, more towards the top. Down below, he's more solid. And while you can count three fingers... Uh, reaching around the wine tasting brochures, his upper arm, you could just barely make out the outline of, mm. of the shoulder. But what was even more odd is that the upstage arm, the arm as he's reaching that's closest to the stairs, it's not even connected to the body. And this oh. is why we could not reproduce this photo yeah. in real life because even though it's human-like, humans don't move like that, and they're not photographed like that. Even in right. a half-second, um, half-second f-stop, you know, aperture setting. And in fact, when we tried to reproduce it, the person that walked in, you know, in a half-second and out looked more like a ghost than this person did in the photo. It was more wispy yeah. and streaky and all mm -hmm. that. This. You know, and I've since shown it to, you know, professional photographers. I've, I've shown it to um, other well-known paranormal investigators. And the bottom line is we all agree. Uh, it looks almost too good to be true. Yeah. But you're not only captured a picture of a ghost, but you're actually, he's doing something that we've all talked about, but no one's ever been able to prove. And it's called apportment. And that's when something disappears and mm -hmm. then reappears elsewhere. Yeah. It's not like mm -hmm. Bewitched where, you know, a little candle will yeah. go across, the, <laughs> you know, on a string, you know, led by a string. It's not. Some of these things can like literally disappear 
and then reappear. Yeah. And where we found these wine tasting brochures, uh, I didn't find them. Uh, some of my crew found them, but it was in a corner of the same lobby. And uh, it was under a couple of sheets of paper. Hmm. No, and it was in a part of the, the lobby that no one was hanging out in, you know, so it was a really strange paranormal sleight of hand that went on. And um, I, I don't publish it on social media. I do show it, you know, privately. Uh, eventually it'll be in my book, you know, on by History Volume 2, along with all the camera information and stuff. Uh, when I talk about the Palomar formally uh, and, the, and the Palomar's history, but uh, I got to say that it was a tall man, looked like it was wearing a newsboy's hat, uh, mm -hmm. wearing a pinstripe suit, can't make out the face whatsoever. It's, it appears to be about from 6'2 to about 6'4. And um, it's one of the best ghost photos I, you know, you'll ever see. Um, and that's always caused me a little bit of embarrassment because I like being skeptical. I like pointing out urban legends. Yeah. <laughs> so I always felt that it punked me because I had been talking about how I don't really believe in ghost photos yeah. just the night before. And in that same area where the next day I catch something. That's how it always works, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I wonder if that's the man wrong. who said, hey, because when I was in the stairwell, I was asking for a tall man. And then somewhere in the evening, there was a man who said, hey, it should be so. And then someone else woke up to somebody saying, hey, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what they claim. You know, I didn't yeah. catch any hey uh, on the um, in the common area of the second floor. But, you know, we did catch a woman who's yeah. also supposed to be a ghostly figure there. The Palomar, I've always said, is like, um, I used to tell people, oh, the, the Glen Tavern is the most haunted hotel in Southern California. But I've been there and investigated plenty of times, and I've investigated the uh, Palomar probably more times. Um, I would have to say that a as an active hotel, um, the Palomar is the most actively haunted hotel in Southern California. That yeah. gets more active, especially per square footage, because you've been there, Dee Dee. It's small. Yeah. yeah, it's very small. To have that much activity going in such a small space trumps the Queen Mary. It trumps all of these other larger places with lots of square footage. Um, it, it's strange. You know, I won't say it's the most haunted building, in Southern California, because I actually think maybe the Hotel Alexandria is as mm -hmm. active, if not more. Um, but but the Palomar is a hotel. Whew. It's pretty active. Well, I was really happy because I normally go for like all the equipment that has the lights and, and all that. And I kind of skip over EVPs. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get an EVP. And the only I've only gotten one other EVP, and that was on the Queen Mary. Uh -huh. And so to go right in. And so Craig was like, you know, you can do whatever you want, you know, use whatever equipment you want to use. But I, you know, I'm telling you that doing EVPs is the best way to communicate with the spirits here. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to try that. And so, you know, I did it. And sure enough, he was right. So I want to thank you 
for telling me that because I always like, I feel like using the equipment a lot of times is almost like cheating. Like, Oh, you're going to get some kind of response with something, but this is like an EVP is like, you're going to get it or you're not, <laughs> you know, yeah. if you're not using a spirit box. So that was really, that was probably one of the most exciting ghost hunts for me because I actually got a direct response to my question. And I know that I was the only woman there. It was amazing. You know? Well, I, I think EVPs are unfortunately, no one does it as much as they used to because yeah. it's so much work and you do run the risk of coming up with false positives as well. But uh, it's still one of the best techniques ever. And, uh, and I think people should get back to that and get away from ghost boxes because ghost boxes was kind of thrust on people by the media uh, ghost hunting shows because it saves them thousands of dollars on their, you know, and their own budget. They don't have to pay someone to listen to eight hours of audio. Uh, they get immediate results. It's camera friendly because it gets immediate results. Uh, it doesn't even have to be uh, real, you know, real paranormal for them to use it and try to tell you that it's real paranormal. Um, and so, you know, spirit boxes in the past they're just notorious, notorious for false positives and people not really understanding how they work or, or, or what to even look for or listen for when, when doing it. So, you know, I have some friends that are like really very serious paranormal investigators and some have even done their own shows. They won't even touch spirit boxes whatsoever uh, because of that. And I, I'm one of those that I, I'm not going to stop anyone from wanting to use it, you know, um, because I'm not the end all authority on whether ghost boxes, you know, are work or not. I just know that I didn't, I don't use them and I, I, I would never use them in earnest, maybe as entertainment purposes only. Uh, I think it's always good to experiment with things because you know, you, you could be, you, you know, there may be something that comes across that goes, okay, now I'm convinced. I just have never, never had that moment where I'm convinced. I have had those moments with EVPs, however, where I'm convinced that there's much more to it than, you know, what the skeptics and non-believers try to say. Um, that it really does seem to tie in with the paranormal activity. I mean, when you're, I'll, I'll give you a, an example if you're, if you want to hear it. Um, sure, absolutely. <laughs> at the Aztec hotel in Monrovia, that's another place, you know, I, I'm a historian on, I'm a historian of many haunted hotels, but uh, I've also done a lot of investigation there. Well, back in 2010, uh, a bunch of, you know, when I say about a bunch, about three, four of us uh, investigators went down into the basement. And just as I was hooking up my, turning on my um, Olympus voice recorder, it picked up uh, two stringed instrument plunks. And also almost sounded like either a ukulele or a violin or something. And when I would listen to that, I'd go, huh, I don't ever remember a musical instrument being down there. There's lots of clutter and lots of boxes, though. So, and there it did have a rat infestation. So I was thinking, well, maybe a rat, you know, climbed over 
a couple of strings or brushed it across a couple of strings. So I just made a note to keep looking. So I'd go through, I, I eventually did go through everything in the basement. I only found one like musical instrument, but it didn't have any strings on it at all. And it was more of a decorative prop than an instrument to begin with. So I never could find a musical instrument in all the boxes anywhere in, in the, um, in the basement. Okay. Fast forward several months later, I'm sleeping in the most haunted room, 120. That's the room I always slept in at, at the Aztec. And I would always run a recorder while I'm sleeping. And while I was sleeping, four humming notes came over. And it was doo-doo, doo-doo. And that was it. And it was really strange. Uh, and I thought, God, and I, I sleep through everything, you know. So I took this audio. And I, as I was going through all my EVPs and all suspicious sounds that I've kind of set aside over the years, I thought, I wonder if there's a connection between this string plunk and this humming, because it sounded a little similar. So what I did is on Adobe Audition is I took the string plunk, the two notes, and I put it in a file. And then I laid the, uh, on a separate track, I laid the audio of the humming. Wouldn't you know it, those first two notes fit oh. perfectly same pitch same speed and when you play them together you cannot distinguish between the two sounds oh huh they are the one and the same and the notes were a g e d um aged that's how i can remember it um so that convinced me more than anything that evps can be darn real and are connected with the paranormal in almost all cases. I mean, there was another incident in the uh, Aztec basement where uh, it had long been rumored to have been a speakeasy during prohibition. Well, I actually think that's, as a historian, I can tell you, I think it's probable, but not probably, probably wasn't a speakeasy until 31, maybe 32 but the hotel definitely served alcohol in the late 20s. I just don't know that it had a designated speakeasy until 31, 32, uh, if, if it had one at all. However, uh, I, I got a compelling EDP down there that supports the notion that a speakeasy did exist there, mm -hmm. or at least some kind of illegal room, illegal vice going on, because I picked up this deep voice in the boiler room, talking over one of my co-investigators. Um, took me a while to kind of understand what it was said, but once I heard it and made it out, I can never unhear it. And the same with oh. anyone who hears it. But it was a deep voice that said, one set of deuces. Huh. And I had to look that up because I was like, one set of is that a, what is that? So I looked it up the phrase and it turns out it's a poker hand. Mm -hmm. And so um, that kind of bolsters all the old stories about illegal poker games going on down in this speakeasy, you know. And uh, so I'm going, yeah, okay, that's that's good to know. So um, that supports at least that story. 
yeah. about a speakeasy. But, so the spirits um, told you. <laughs> yeah, just randomly just blurted out, you know. Hmm. So do you feel like that when you hear spirits talking, do you feel like it was, were you actually asking questions or did you just happen to capture that? Like, did it, like, do you think that sometimes this, these old conversations just bleed through and that's what we're actually hearing rather than actually they can see us and they're communicating with us? I think it's a little bit of both, really. I do think some things just bleed through. Um, I, that's a good way of putting it as, as well, because I'm not really a big fan of like the stone tape theory and residual being, because there's not a needle to set off the record, you know, that this, the, the metaphor of a endless record or real playing, um, you know, we do, have, there are, you know, crystal quartz, uh, limestone, they can store energy, but there's no intelligence behind the storage, you know, so I don't know how these things can be released intelligently where we can hear it, you know, um, and make sense of what is being said. So I've always felt that there was always something intelligent anyway, right next to a residual type uh, response. And the Aztec clearly, the basement clearly has an intelligent energy there that would touch, you know, um, I've had gusts of wind, you know, cold oh. wind hit my face, things like that. I mean, um, and sometimes you will get, you know, I've been told to F off, you know, in the yeah. basement asking questions. And and sometimes I feel like they do try to answer, answer questions. Um, but often other times, I'm not sure. To answer your question about you know, were we asking questions about card games? No. This just kind of came out of the blue. None of us heard it. We were talking like tough guys down there, you know, assuming the roles of like hard-boiled cops and stuff. And, you know, and maybe that could have triggered some kind of response. Yeah. Or it could be a dimensional thing that's just bleeding through. Hmm. Hmm. So do you feel, so when you're telling these stories and, and we're feeling these are intelligent beings that are energies that are left behind, what is your theory about why they stay in this one particular spot? Do you think it's the same thing that could be haunting? Or do you think, you know, I, I kind of want to take it back to your, I, I'm really fascinated by the research that you do on where these stories begin um, because clearly, as the living, we're in control of that. We're in control of that narrative to these locations, right? Mm -hmm. And it's our perception. So whoever's getting these stories out there first, right? It's kind of like whoever got the lawyer first is going to win. So whoever's going to tell the story first kind of gets the ahead of the game there. But, you know, kind of figure out where what these spirits are. And we get those consistent hauntings or consistent evidence to say yes this seems to be a you know this is what's haunting this what what is your theory on why something and especially something intelligent would stay right there uh i i think some and okay let me see if i can get this as clear as possible and in short because i tend to babble um i an emotional connection is what okay. I think is the number one thing that has uh, why certain energies linger behind. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be murder. It doesn't necessarily have to be suicide. It could be love for the place. It could be uh, just a memory. I, I actually suspect that in places like, it could actually just be their home and that's their mm-hmm. routine. And they just, you know, don't want to give up the routine. Um, right. So there's, you know, there's the possibility that they may not even know they're dead. I mean, I, I, we, I've certainly had discussions on all of that stuff, and I don't have the answer uh, definitively. I always kind of scoff when others act like they have the answer. You know, it's kind of like, but, but wait, you know, I love playing devil's advocate anyway, <laughs> um, and just questioning everything because, and mm-hmm. questioning it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I think emotional attachment seems to be the most common thing that uh, I keep coming across. Mm-hmm. Um, in this particular case, th- there was some emotional incident that happened there, some kind of emotional attachment to this place. Mm-hmm. Maybe something happened there that brought you know this emotion to the forefront. Mm-hmm. But the emotion uh, and the spirit behind the emotion uh, decides to hang out there. And I don't know that they're necessarily trapped to being in that one space. With right. the Aztec, I think they move around and there are certain hot spots within the building sure. that they just kind of migrate. But I haven't, I also haven't ruled out the possibility that there is uh, an energy that takes, that could be taking on more than one personality as well. Sure. Sure. Um, I don't. I forgot what the name is for that, but it's not a shape shifter because we're not literally talking shape shifting, but we're talking about someone that can that takes on or tries to throw investigators mm-hmm. off by assuming yet another. But then again, I think of everything. You know, when you hear about a, a woman or or a man, sometimes I'm wondering. Well. They're operating without a voice box. They're operating without a mouth, a tongue, vocal cords. So they're manipulating energy, right? Supposedly mm-hmm. frequencies. Mm-hmm. What if they get the frequencies wrong and it's a big burly guy? But he sounds like a dainty little child, you know, uh, right. how he harnesses. So I try to look for just consistency in voices, consistency in, in patterns, mm-hmm. because I actually do believe that the paranormal does actually operate in scientific law. We just don't understand the laws. And most scientists will be quick to tell you, we don't know everything Mm -hmm. about physics and physics law, laws of physics and stuff. I mean, some of these do change over the years. So I will say this. Um, we talked a lot about the Palomar and then the Aztec. I'll just kind of tie them together by saying that what uh, I'm picking up are the same kind of voices consistently through the years. So there seems to be a female, both. There seems to be males at both, you know, and you kind of start getting familiar. And that's what helps me in when we're hearing audibles, when we heard that audible on the stairs. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> at the Palomar it's yeah. because I've heard that woman's voice before. Oh, I was going to say that. Oh, so that's, I was listening for that. Huh? So when you heard that and when it was closest to you, 
when you know you were asking were were you misunderstood you know i don't think you were misunderstood or grumpy mm -hmm. which was a real interesting line of questioning that no one's ever done that i'm aware of there and then suddenly you get this yeah <laughs> you know like yeah uh, yeah she just and, wanted somebody um, to realize that <laughs> that's why i was quick so much ago did you just hear that you know and everyone was like uh-huh yeah, you know, and um, and sure enough, crystal clear in the audio, faint but crystal clear, which meant that it did not come in from outside. Yeah, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. it wasn't a noise that bled in; it was a noise that literally, and it did sound like it came from where we were in that. Yeah. Vicinity. Oh, I heard it out of my left ear. Like I was, it was so close. I was able to tell you exactly what ear I heard it from. Yeah. Yeah, wow. and I and I was. Uh, and I was about eight feet away from you, right? Eight to 10 feet away. And I yep. heard it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't necessarily believe in portals that at, at either one of these places, because it seems to be the same ones, same voices mm -hmm. over and over again. So these ghosts aren't going anywhere. They're there for a reason. I don't know that they're particularly locked into that location, but maybe they are. Um, yeah. But um, but they do seem to have a uh, relationship with that building that goes much deeper and much further back than our superficial relationship with it by just staying one night or two nights. Yeah. You know. Well, I would definitely right. stay there if I was a spirit because it's a beautiful location, right? I mean, there's so wasn't many always. different people. It wasn't always. Oh, yeah. So but I guess it depends it, on how long she's been there. Yeah, well, you know, there were people that lived at the Palomar when it was a boarding house. Yeah. And some of them lived over, some of them lived 17 years there. Some lived over 20 oh. years there. That was their home. And yeah. so there's lots of ample reasons for people to have an emotional attachment. Same with right. the uh, Aztec. I mean, it also operated as a residential low-income hotel for the, you know, the down and out, the retirees without a, a lot of savings, the mm -hmm. bookies, you know, the the guy, the gamblers that lost their fortunes time to time again, and they end up there, you know, uh, and and you know, having a bar attached to the hotel certainly is going to draw that kind of uh, energy there. Yeah. And <laughs> there were some people that died at the Aztec. I mean, I I've only been able to come up with eleven names during during the property research but it doesn't take that many deaths to for a place mm -hmm. to become haunted you know wow to me that sounds like mm -hmm. a lot <laughs> yeah i was gonna say 11 i thought he was gonna say two yeah and 11 no, is a lot 11, I... yeah it's what 36 hotel rooms eight apartments for a total of 44 units um and considering that it had been closed off and on for a number yeah. of years uh, and that it failed as a hotel when it opened. I mean, there was, I found a newspaper article where they were talking about it being close to 40% occupied and how terrific that was. And I'm like going, 40% occupied in a 44 unit hotel. That's pretty yeah. abysmal, you know? Yeah. That's not a big money maker there. Um, and sure enough, the bank did repossess it you know, shortly hmm. thereafter. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, for a, a, a hotel history that 
has a lot of ups and down peaks and valleys. Um, yeah, 11 deaths, I would say, is pretty high, especially when yeah. you consider like the Cecil, which has a lot more deaths than what right. is documented. It only has like 19 to 20, 21 deaths documented in the, oh. in the newspapers, you know. Um, I don't even, you know, it, well, as the Alexandria had almost that much, just the Alexandria Hotel had almost that many right before it, um, you know, it first went bankrupt in 34. So, um, there could be, a, what I'm trying to say is there could be a few more deaths at the Aztec that didn't make it, but sure. as far as the official record goes that I, I could come up with, it's just yeah. 11. Well, the Cecil's way bigger, right? 700 rooms. Yeah. Well, that's what, at least that's what they advertised. But it was also a hotel right. that, you know, um, now that's a hotel everyone talks about, but there really aren't any ghost stories to speak of. I mean, I've never come across anybody that really had a credible paranormal mm -hmm. incident there. Yet I'm sure it's something, Did something may be there. I mean, it has all the ingredients. Yeah, it sure right. does. But, I was say, haven't uh, we've seen lots of YouTubes through there? Though I feel like there has been just people who claim it, yeah. But didn't Ghost Adventures? Some I thought, yeah, some, Ghost Adventures thought, went there. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, I, yeah, but they spent they spent you know five figures or at least five figures to get in. So they're going to say it's haunted, even if they don't catch anything. I mean, they would lose right. their show really quick if right. they went to the Cecil did a big two-parter and then said, well, we really didn't catch anything. <laughs> so I, I watched their episode. I don't think they caught anything, to be honest with mm -hmm. you. I mean, they were using um, the stick figure cameras, but they were moving them, which automatically produces false mm -hmm. positives. They were mm -hmm. using uh, a type of spirit box that is notorious for producing false positives. It, I, I actually considered doing adding the Cecil to Haunted by History, and I actually visited the place and scouted around. I didn't want to exploit Elisa Lamb, so that was one strike against me wanting to do it. But the thing that ultimately made me decide to avoid the Cecil um, was that it was too noisy to investigate. Yeah. And that's exactly why they went with the fake stuff. That's why they brought in, you know, the psychic. That's why they brought in the... Mm -hmm. The, all the the false positive equipment that they could use is because uh -oh, Craig too... just said he just listed psychics under the fake stuff. <laughs> that's well, gonna, no, <laughs> I listen. I'm talking about a specific one, okay. <laughs> not in general. I'll get in trouble. I don't want to list name names. That's right. But that's right. Don't one. do it. No, it's not worth yeah, it. Yeah, because it's not so too. I, I promise you, it's not worth it. Um, I love this question by Brittany and we've left it up because I, I do think this is rather interesting. And since you are somebody that digs into the, the paranormal research and the history, she's asking, right, do you think people vocalizing an inaccurate history could cause spirit activity like out of anger or an attempt to correct us, right? Could this lead <clears throat> for spirits that can communicate? Be like, uh, you're wrong. <laughs> you couldn't be more wrong. Let me give you a hint here. Do you think that could cause cause some hauntings or cause some interaction? I have had things happen during my historical tours 
that are, but I always find that I think it's the opposite. I think when you get close to the truth, mm-hmm. that's when you have a chance, a better chance of actually sparking okay. something because it's identifying with what you're, mm-hmm. with what you're mm-hmm. doing. Um, I'll, I'll give a case pointing case. Uh, the Bella Maggiorian in Ventura, California has a notoriously wide believed urban legend about a prostitute named Sylvia Michaels that hanged herself in room 17 during World War II. She was supposedly uh, in a romantic relationship with a sailor or Navy man during the war. And then right after the war, he goes back, the Navy man goes back to his wife and she's with child. So she hangs herself in the closet of room 17. And, you know, various ghost hunters are, would bring flowers to Sylvia Michaels' ghost. They would make, you know, all these, you know, they, they just kind of created and went with this history of it. And I remember uh, there was a paranormal investigator, author, who said, well, if you ever stay the night in room 17, don't go singing anchors away uh, because Sylvia Michaels is still looking for the ghost of her gob um, uh, wearing, you know, boyfriend. So I, I took that as a challenge. So I rented that room and I actually brought in someone wearing a gob and someone dressed as Sylvia Michaels. And we spent, oh gosh, five, six hours shooting the Gloria, the Sylvia Michaels, Gloria Michaels, Sylvia Michaels, um, story love story in the room didn't go into the gruesome the hanging stuff uh but you know the heartbreak and and we were monitoring very closely nothing nothing Mm. happened during that entire time and while i suspected it was an urban legend at the time of shooting i didn't know for a fact that it was it wasn't until i did the historical research afterwards that i discovered that uh, I know the person, The person I actually interviewed the person who, who admitted he made it up in the 80s. But uh, looking at the old blueprints, room 17 was the shared men's bathroom up until the 1980s. There was no closet for anyone to hang themselves. So it wasn't even a functional hotel room at the time they were saying Sylvia Michaels was there. But I do think it's interesting that because the paranormal claims that made sense to me were stories of towels being flung off the rack, soap, you know, Mm -hmm. being moved around, billfold contents being moved around. These are things that make sense now that you know that that used to be a shared men's bath. Toiletry Mm -hmm. items getting screwed around with is probably really part of the paranormal stuff, not so much the other things. So mm-hmm. just to reiterate, nothing happened. Nothing happened yeah. in that room the whole time. However, I've given uh, tours like at the Aztec um, and uh, there was a couple of, there was one time in particular where the, the one of the light fixtures in the kitchen started swinging back and forth and it really spooked the cook. And she brought me back to look at it. And I, I actually did witness the light fixture swinging. There was one time I was 
I had gotten some podcasters in while the Aztec was closed to do a live taping there, you know, interview at the Aztec. And as they were setting up, uh, one of the light fixtures started uh, mm. swinging in that room too, uh, which was very unusual because these are, we're talking really heavy light chandeliers. Um, there have been uh, at the Alexandria, you know, when I used to do tours there, uh, nothing really happened to speak of except for my very last tour. Uh, I was talking to uh, a woman that was uh, representing the hotel and I felt a couple of tugs on the back of the fedora and I turned around, no one was behind me. And I thought that's weird. But I, I do think that when you go there and, oh, one of the best stories I have actually was the Glen Tavern Inn. When my book first came out, I rented the lobby and uh, to give a book presentation and to talk about the history of the Glen Tavern Inn. And um, I'm the only one and probably the, the first one to ever really get the history right uh, on the Glen Tavern Inn. And I, I spent a lot of miles, looked at a lot of records in order to piece that together. So I invited a friend of mine at the time, Brandon Alvis, he's still a friend. I don't know at the time, it was before his Ghost Hunters days as a cast member, but, um, and I would share the stage with him and he would give his presentation on the show that he was working on. And then I would talk about this. Well, we had technical difficulties right from the get go. And, it, and uh, um, I managed to, straighten out my PowerPoint presentation first uh, and get my computer unstuck while he's battling his computer. And so I give my, my history for about 40 minutes. And then I'm like looking over at him and he's still going, well, a little bit more time, a little bit more time. So I just do a question and answer, question and answer. And, uh, and then right, there's a, I'm going to cut one story out, but as I, after I finally did my question and answer and he took over, I went over to the side by the front desk and I'd been hearing these beeping and buzzing sounds the whole time, but I, I was so involved in talking about what I was doing, I could tune it out. But once I was standing right next to him, the general manager was just like sweating. And what was happening is from the moment I started, and also when Brandon started, every couple of seconds, um, uh, the uh, fire alarm would be triggered on one of the floors. Huh. So mm. he was constantly resetting, resetting. And I kept hearing it, it set off buzz. And in between buzz, we're talking in a low voice while Brandon's you know, on the other side of the lobby talking. And he said, I won't be able to have dinner with you goes, it's a Sunday night and I can't get in. You know, I contacted the alarm people and they can't send anyone out. And, uh, and I said, well, when did it start? And he said, right, as soon as you open your mouth. And uh, <laughs> so it was like, he's like punching it, punching it, punching it. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm sorry. It's like, you're going to be here all night doing this? It's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. The moment 
the moment Brandon stopped his presentation and we wrapped it up and said thanks and good night, uh, it stopped. The hmm. alarms completely stopped. And the general manager ended up having dinner with us afterwards. Huh. So um, I do think that if you get close to the truth, you're, you have a much bigger chance of setting things sure. off than just making things up. Because it doesn't relate to the made up. What right. it does is I think it relates to um, what what is being said. Now, no historian will probably get everything right because we didn't live there at the time and whatnot. And I certainly take that for granted and take that under, under account when I speak. But I do, I, I go through real painstaking efforts to not exaggerate things um, right. when it comes to the history. And to try to be respectful of the building, respectful of the people that are in that, that you know, mm -hmm. made that history, made up that history of that building and to honor the whole thing. I mean, I, I'm there to promote, I wanna keep these hotels going for a lot longer. Um, you know, it, it's uh, all of these buildings, every single one of them have come real close to being torn down some of them are still under threat of being torn down. So, you know, I just try to show as much love as I can for the mm -hmm. building. I don't think making things up about it, though, is really sharing love. And I don't, I think it's actually being disrespectful for the, to the ghosts. And in fact, I always joke, I start feeling sorry for the ghosts after a while because they're clearly mislabeled and stuff are clearly being made up about them. And we're getting mm -hmm. further and further the more we repeat these urban legends and accept it and even argue mm -hmm. that it has to be this way because that's what I heard, that's what I was raised to. I, I think that we don't do any favors to the, mm -hmm. to the real ghosts there, trying to understand mm -hmm. them. We don't do any real favors to the history of the building. And, right. um, you know, and, and we're not getting anywhere closer to proving that the paranormal exists as long as we yeah. keep embracing these urban legends as well. Yeah. So I I have to ask Craig because I like to ask a little bit more controversial questions. But because you are, it is important to you to sort of understand. Well, first to respect the actual history of these locations and to also sort of give light to where these stories come from. Have you ever encountered investigators who sort of because many investigators out there, right, sort of build their reputation on certain locations and things that they get from those locations. And it could be that it was the story that was created by somebody and it's grown into this big whatever, right? And so they go out there and they have a YouTube channel and now everything they get corresponds with this story. And then here comes Craig and he says, yeah, that was made up in 1987. That's not true. Um, and it sort of blows their, their, I don't want to say reputation, but what they've built their reputation on though, right? Like they're, they, they kind of, um, you know, use those, those legends as this jumping right. point. And, oh no, I, there, they get. there are people that's, that don't like me. I mean, that they, they run away <laughs> as soon as they, I even walk into a room, you know, and, you know, I, and they don't realize that I'm actually there to help. I'm not an antagonist or whatever, mm -hmm. but I do, you know, operate from the uh, perspective that if you're going to say something, you should be held accountable. Mm 
for what you say mm -hmm. and for mm -hmm. what you do. And that includes me. That's why I have to, you know, be the best that I can be as well, because there's going to be someone that's going to challenge me, you know? Mm -hmm. And, but the, the thing is, is, yeah, you do deal with ego a lot in the paranormal field. I always say that a lot of paranormal uh, investigators are very dismissive of the others. And it's like, well, if you're too, too trained, uh, I, I compare the, the paranormal field is not really a field. It's more like a hobby with a lot of people and that it's, it's similar to model trains, you know, mm -hmm. hobbyists and stuff. And it's, and there's this mentality, whereas, well, if your choo-choo train isn't connected to my tracks, your choo-choo train doesn't exist, you know? <laughs> and, um, and I think we, I'd love to get, I'd love to get beyond that, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I'm not out to be an antagonist. It's like, I'm just trying to start the conversation and try to, I, I am a bit of a revisionist because I think after 50 years of telling the same darn stories that aren't true, I think we mm -hmm. should hit a reset button at some point. Mm -hmm. I mean, does Jackie, mm -hmm. the ghost child at the Queen Mary actually exist? Really? Despite a lack of complete lack of documentation uh, going over the records, you know, or of mm -hmm. any child mm -hmm. drowning in the swimming pool, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, maybe we need, like I said, question it and then question it again. Don't just assume mm -hmm. it's it, it exists. I, and I think it's healthy to to mm -hmm. question. It's healthy to question me. It's healthy to question right. anybody. Uh, what I try so, to do. So because, really what you're what you're almost saying, Craig, what I'm hearing, right, is what happens in the field and this has been a thought in my head at least the last little while, the last week I've actually been thinking about this and how to actually sort of formulate a conversation around it, which is people in the field almost we don't need the history anymore. We just go off of other investigators, ones that we love, right? It's become such a religion. Paranormal it's more about personality, have... personality yeah. and facts. And facts, and, right. you know, what I try to do is, yeah, I dress, you know, different. Um, I, I view myself, I come across more as like an everyman, though, you know, um, in that I'm, I try to be in the middle of two extremes, the skeptical, non-believing and the believing thing. Uh, I, I'm, I'm certainly a believer because I've had too many things happen for me not to. Yeah. Um, but I, what I did, well, let me just kind of explain where I came from because it's, it's, it's very, what I decided to do is um, I didn't, I, I saw my first ghost at the Mission Inn in 2009 and it came in the form of a shadow figure, which was something I didn't even believe in at the time. And, uh, and I saw it not just out of the corner of my eye, I saw it straight ahead. And I mistook it as a shadow completely until it moved and darted around a corner. And that had me, after I checked out and went home, I slept with the light on for like 10 days, uh, yeah. tonight. And, uh, you know, was asking everybody, what's a shadow person? And I really had to like, I had to process in order to mm -hmm. finally, you know, accept that this phenomena does exist. And I absolutely believe it. Um, but that is what started sparking my 
interest in history, what's really haunting it? What are these things? What, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, where, does it, where does it all go from there? So when I decided to do the book, um, I decided to start over on everything. And uh, so I took all paranormal theories completely off the table, off, no foundation, except one principle, and that is there a historical connection with the, uh, between the hauntings and these historic places? Is it history mm -hmm. that, is there a historic link? I took out the magic 3 a.m. hour, portals, all that, you know, heaven and hell, demons versus angels, threw all of that out. And what I would mm -hmm. do is if I came across that, I would add it back in if there was some consistency. And then also I threw out uh, intelligent versus residual. Um, and so I just went under one one thing, one thing only. And so I, I, and to see what else would happen, what other information I could come and rebuild the model. And so after 16 haunted hotels investigations and countless other places, uh, I was only able to put a few things back in place. And, but mm -hmm. some of the things came back in a different form. Mm -hmm. And uh, for instance, my belief that residual and hauntings, uh, residual and intelligent hauntings are actually interconnected a lot more than what we think. And that's because I kept mm -hmm. running into intelligent right next to residual and talking to others that have been you know and even watching tv shows where it'd be like nick groff was going gosh i thought this was a res residual but it's intelligent too you know you see this and and you you have you hear these conversations you know you see this on tv you hear these conversations it's like right right yeah what if the intelligent is the needle that sparks mm -hmm. the residual oh. and not the stone tape, you know, like the barometric pressure, whatnot. Right. Maybe, huh. you know, is it possible that ghosts, mm -hmm. um, since they can form words without a mouth, voice box, can they project thoughts and images? And mm -hmm. that we're mistaking that. Uh, or memories, project a memory. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we're mistaking that as residual. As something like un completely unrelated from intelligence. Yeah. What What if it's trying, like for instance, if there's a woman that's always seen at the same place, at the right. same time, every blue moon, but there's something intelligent that screws with things and runs away from you, and you walk into the basement or something that's also seems to be present. You know, um, I am speaking of a specific place, by the way, uh, and giving examples, a dance studio in Alhambra. Um, red being the the uh, residual being a Red Cross nurse always seen in the upstairs and a naked man always running from people in the basement. You know, huh. mm -hmm. um, what's to say that the uh, that it's this intelligent that's looking for this Red Cross mm -hmm. nurse, and he's projecting that image. Mm -hmm. Like, is it, you know, we don't understand what, what the purpose of is. We don't understand right. the purpose behind a lot of things in, when it comes to right. the purpose. But what if it's right. projecting someone that it's actually looking for, someone that was kind mm -hmm. to him? Mm -hmm. 
because that dance studio at one point, even though there are no documented deaths there, it uh, during its operation as a Red Cross center, it was a Red Cross center. Mm-hmm. And at the time yeah. this Red Cross nurse started being seen upstairs, uh, if my source is correct, who met the Red Cross nurses, they all were alive at the time that mm-hmm. this ghost red nurse, Red Cross nurse started popping up. So it's mm-hmm. actually a ghost of a person that hadn't passed on yet. So mm-hmm. what if it's a memory? Right. Or is it a That's dream? I always use or that a as dream. A, a dream. Yeah. I always say, yeah. could it be, could paranormal experiences be people who are dreaming and their, their consciousness or subconscious is being projected into an area and that's what people are communicating with. Cause you know, like in your dream, sometimes people will talk to you randomly and you'll answer, <laughs> Yeah, you know, listen, I, I, I think all things are possible. You know, I, all I'm really saying is that I, I just want, you know, I try to get people to think uh, outside the box a little bit, maybe that there is a more of a direct connection between residual and, intelligent than what yeah. we thought. It, I could be wrong, but I just haven't seen a clear-cut distinction, right. yet I'll talk to plenty of go- paranormal investigators who just naturally assume that it, it does exist, a clear-cut distinction. And I'm just mm-hmm. saying, well, what if it, it isn't? Because we none of us really know for sure about anything. I like right. that. I want to I go back to Rob's question, but Rob, the only reason I took it down <laughs> is because I felt like right when he asked that Craig, you kind of went into this, um, uh, connecting the paranormal activity to history, but clearly paranormal isn't always tied to something historical. It could be something very personal. Uh, well, when I talk about his history, it's, it's a pretty broad term. I mean, it could be uh, uh, just a person that maybe isn't a historical person at all, but just a person tied to that location. Uh, it's just um, something. Uh, it's an energy from the past that lingers mm-hmm. on. Now, as far as demons and angels and stuff, you know, some I haven't found any evidence that this is the case. Now, I know that there are plenty of people who go, but wait, you know, I saw on this show, or what about the, what about this case? And and I'm like going, yeah, these are all interesting cases, but I wasn't on them, you know, mm-hmm. to to look at them. Um, I've, I've heard some really compelling stories to make me believe that there is something there beyond that. I just haven't personally encountered it, so I can't personally add it back to my paradigm. But mm-hmm. I always say that, you know, I'm not saying that demons don't exist. I'm not saying that angels don't exist. What I'm saying is I haven't come across one that definitely makes me think that it mm-hmm. is a demon. Uh, I do think that there is dark energy in certain places and I won't rule out the possibility that you know a demonic force may be hiding just how demonic they really are in some of these places by taking on other personalities I can't rule that out either Uh, I'm just saying that I can't I, I just haven't seen in your face this is demonic I'm adding it back to the paradigm um I think it's been way way overblown in the media and in people's minds. Um, I think Travel Channel did us absolutely zero favors by demanding more demons in their 
programming, their paranormal programming. Um, and I had been approached by, you know, various producers over the years that will ask me just the most, in my opinion, the most absurd questions, you know, in trying to get information from me or leads. Um, you know, one asked me if I was remotely interested in, in doing, being a show that investigates demonic infested places. And I said, yeah, I'd be interested because I don't really believe in it. So I think it'd be great to have a skeptic, you know, on board. But I will certainly change my mind, you know, if I come across a demon. That's not what they wanted to hear. They wanted someone that was a true blue believer because I think they were planning on faking it. And they also probably didn't like me saying, you know, you, you may not have enough locations, real locations to fill one season. Are you aware of that? You know. Um, Craig out there just shaking it all up. Like, I do shake it up. I do shake here. it up. It needs to be shaken up. I mean, yeah. we're just, we're all following each other. And we're like, a lot of times we're just following each other right off the same darn cliff. Yeah. And, and, and where we're just getting nowhere and, and being able to prove whether or not, you know, these things exist. And, you know, I didn't, I've been doing this a long time. I, I, I started this before um this last big wave of paranormal interest took over and i'll be here after as well asking the same darn questions um and uh and hopefully getting the same answers but you know uh i i do ultimately try to be everyone's friend and i do try to be um uh, as helpful as i can and I always try to stress that no one's an expert on the paranormal. You can become an expert on the history of a location. And I think that sure. is probably the closest you ever could get to being an expert on the paranormal mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. there is such a strong link between the two. Right. It's a, it's a really good way to, to put it. And, and honestly, Craig, I mean, in my opinion, if we can't hear uh, a different thought or theory on something we're working on, um, then what is your true purpose of this theory, right? You know, we we all aren't going to know until we have passed on. Um, so even I then, I question whether right, we know right. everything. Right, we might know more. I don't know, but it it is interesting that, and again, I think sometimes we, um, you know, just as anything in life, we kind of get tunnel vision with that one thing that brought us success and we're afraid to step outside of that and yeah. you know we're afraid to rock a boat or we're afraid if if we say something that we don't like a particular person in the paranormal and I don't mean like them as a personal person I mean just we don't like the way they investigate or we don't like their theories they're coming up with then you kind of get blackballed or you kind of get like oh well how could you say that you know I think you know we're each coming to this if you really want to explore it right? Like, yeah. I want to have my own thoughts on this. I, and, and so I would welcome any, anybody to have something to say that's different than me, right? I mean, that was my son you know, <laughs> running through the house. Aww, um, like, yeah, no, I even get locked in. Well, let me tell you, I, I have to fight being shoeboxed. And, you know, if I go to any paranormal thing, and I'm not wearing the hat, someone will always say, say it. They even said it. They even said, uh, you know, Didi and our Palomar, there was at least one person, you're not wearing your suit. You know? <laughs> yeah. 
I was expecting the suit. <laughs> and I said, well, you got the hat, you know, Yeah. Um, uh, for this one. But, you know, I, I get locked into things and, and there are always people trying to pigeonhole me is one thing or another. I mean, um, probably the least, my least favorite pigeonholing is when people just refer to me as a tour guide. Oh, and it's like, yeah. <laughs> ooh, ooh, that makes me not want to give another tour, you know, I hear that. But at the same time, you know, people that bought the book wanted to see these places or they want to meet me or they want to, you know, they want to do something. So I try to do and it, and it can be fun, um, but I don't like getting locked into being a tour guide. Some people see me <laughs> only as a historian. Some people, believe it or not, only see me as a fine art photographer. And I always joke that only a very small group just see me as a loudmouth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, listen, you have some very interesting stories. And what is, what, so you have, how many books do you have out? Oh, I, I have one. I mean, I've been trying to get um, volume two out for a while, but you know, when volume one came out, um, I thought it would just magically sell, <laughs> you know, uh, just put it out there. I was so naive and, uh, um, and boy, I realized, oh boy, that's not how yeah. the book industry works at all. So I've spent an incredible amount of time uh, marketing uh, I was, I wanted to be Garbo, you know, I just wanted to just hide and, uh, and not really be a presence, but I realized that you had to step forward and let people know who you are in order to, um, you know, in order for them to trust you and, and buy the book and they can look you up or contact me or just had to make yourself accessible. So I did that. And that ended up taking all the time away from finishing volume two. So I've been in a constant, um, you know, marketing mode. I don't want to keep talking endlessly about the same eight hotels that are in there. Um, but at the same time, some of this is just the same first time people are actually hearing, yeah. hearing it. Um, yeah. And, uh, but a lot of good positive things have happened. Uh, you know, I got some places to actually reverse course on what the, how they saw the paranormal. Because, uh, based on, you know, what what I presented to them, they became a lot more open-minded to allowing people to ask questions and experiment. Some places um, are still very, don't want to mess with it, too scary. And then some have just been burned. And then, and then you have places like the Glen Tavern Inn, which is like, anything goes, anything goes. <laughs> Like Vegas, anything goes. Uh, what 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 goes on at the Glen Tavern stays at the Glen Tavern, you know. Um, and that's fine. I mean, I'm still friends with the owners and stuff, and you know, and and uh, um, you know, I just wish that people would be a little put a little bit more thought and a little bit more effort. And I get it. Podcasts, YouTube. Uh, social media, um, it kind of forces people to work on a timeline, you know, a deadline. And so that really stops um, uh, a lot of real research from actually going through and continuing. And that's why I've struggled to even launch my own podcast to keep threatening to. But, 
I don't know, you know, I just feel like, gosh, even if it's 30 minutes, what if I get something wrong, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, so I keep hesitating because there's always new information coming in and into the pot. And so, you know, I'm afraid I'll put something out and then I'll go, oh, ooh, that's wrong. You know, and I can't do anything <laughs> yeah. about it, you know, because I was yeah. on a deadline. And um, so the best thing I can do is just kind of come on your show and then, you know, and and help kind of spread some information um, out. And, uh, you know, what I did with my book is because I knew I was, you know, kicking some sacred cows. Uh, and I certainly didn't go in thinking I was going to do that. I thought it was just going to be a real thin, feel-good book, you know, telling all the same stories that everyone else told. Uh, but then uh, once I started re researching, just even a little bit, I started realizing that, oh boy, everyone's yeah. got stuff wrong. You know, the history right. side has things wrong. The paranormal side has things wrong. And it's like, well... This is, I better roll up my sleeves and start looking. And so my thin little book turned out to be like <laughs> thick. But I did, I was very nervous that people would say, he's a liar. You know, he's just yeah. making things up. He's, he's, uh, so what I ended up doing is uh, footnoting everything, just footnoting everything. That way, if anyone wants to challenge me, they can look yeah. and see, and see, literally see mm -hmm. um, what I was looking at. And again, yeah. this goes back to taking responsibility for what you say. And what, yeah, and what I, I love that. I love that yeah. you're willing to hear. I love that you're taking accountability. And I love that you're willing to, you know, not even challenge that if somebody needs to look at what you're doing and they have questions, I think that's where a, a lot of the paranormal, this is where that gets lost. We don't want to be questioned. We want our story to not be yeah. questioned. We don't want our evidence to be questioned. Um, we just want you <laughs> to believe it. And I don't know where, I mean, that's great for some things. That's not great, though. I guess if you well, if you're yeah, looking I, to expand, <laughs> I always look for people that have an open mind, and, and we'll just say, "Hey," and you do run into them where if you point something out, they go, "Hey, thank you." Yeah, yeah. That's that's great. That's what I wanted to know, and and I try to be that way too. You know, um, where if if somewhere down the line someone finds a piece of information you know, yeah. that I didn't know or, or, you know, cause, uh, there, there are people that do that because history is like a big history is the mystery. And it's like a big jigsaw puzzle with different pieces. And some people have pieces that I've been looking for, for years, you know, mm -hmm. and I won't get to those pieces for a while. Uh, but patience and the pieces usually come your way and, you know, you could put together some kind of picture but yeah, I always try to be gracious. Always try to be gracious when people come with the, um, you know, information. And, and to be honest with you, most people, and I'm talking, not maybe not paranormal. Paranormal, it's a little higher ratio. But most people out there are very gracious and very grateful for what I do. Mm -hmm. um, there's only just a few very small percentage of people mm -hmm. that just get their feathers ruffled whenever my name is even mentioned. I mean, I had one guy who runs a theater in another city and uh, he's like managing, managing it. When I tried to talk to him about, you know, what 
um, what the haunting was. And he said, well, a chandelier fell and decapitated a girl on her prom night. And I said, Do you have, did you ever find documentation of this? No, we got it in our research. And that's good enough for us. I said, really? Well, I'd love to investigate. You will never, ever get that chance in this theater. Oh. 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 <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay. So I had these play stories aren't even guitar. original. So Have you ever noticed that these stories aren't original, though? I mean, there's always the same thing. You know, the theater, somebody falls off the catwalk or they're killed by the chandelier. Like that story's been told, not just like in certain locations, but in all, the college yeah. I went to. That was the oh, story. Really? Somebody died, the fell old, off. The old falling chandelier trick. Yeah, yeah. always. <laughs> or the catwalk. Uh, well, let me tell you, if a girl gets decapitated on a prom, from a falling chandelier, you will find it in, covered in the newspaper. I think yeah. so. <laughs> uh, so you can get exact names, get years, and if it's not covered, found in a newspaper fairly easily, you know, then chances are it's an urban legend, you yeah. know. So that's what, you know, I always ask people to look for is, you know, when someone will tell me something, I said, well, do you, is there documentation? You know, if there's no documentation, then I think you need to put it in urban legend. You may still believe in it because not all urban legends are uh, completely 100% false. For instance, right. there's the Reseda in, in Van Nuys. There's a Elks Lodge, a Reseda Van Nuys Elks Lodge. And, you know, you talk to the Elks, you talk to some of the people that investigated there. They'll say, oh, yeah, it was a children's orphanage or it was a children's hospital, whatever it is, it's haunted by children. And it's like, wow, that's strange for an Elks Lodge to be have kid ghosts. Um, so I did the research of the place. And you know what? It was never a children's orphanage, nor was it a children's hospital. Those are the urban legends. But it's very close. It was actually, Van, the building itself was Van Nuys's first receiving hospital before they got like a big official and it started in the 20s and it that receiving hospital existed in a mixed-use building mm -hmm. until the 40s until Van Nuys had just grown to where it needed something more than like a little country receiving hospital so people were brought there some of them did die there were children that were brought there may not be a record of a child dying there but it's conceivable that one could have mm -hmm. but there's mm -hmm. your there's your real basis and the only reason why people um didn't find this out for themselves and why i had to research and find it is because the address name had changed over the years and it threw everything way off you know oh. so um i was glad to be able to share that information with the Elks, you know, and, and the other people there, because um, I'm not out to say that ghosts don't exist. They actually do. I'm just trying to get a better read on what the hauntings of these right. places actually are uh, from a more realistic uh, perspective. Right. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So, all right. How can everybody find Craig? How can they find you and to hear more of your information? Uh, well, you can, uh, best way to, to uh, I guess, 
find me is to either Google Haunted by History or Bizarre Los Angeles. That was a page that I started over 10 years ago on Facebook. And um, surprise, surprise, that's what I'm known for quite a bit. <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you, uh, this is just another real odd, fun, fun, odd story. It just happened like a month ago. But uh, there's this downtown hotel that's historic. It's older than the Alexandria, 1905. And I wanted to do tours there after finding out about the history of this place. It's like, oh, my gosh, nobody knows about this building. Nobody knows about it. And so they said, well... We're interested in having you come out, but you've got to meet this one person. She's very possessive and territorial in this place. So, and she's going to be rough on you. So I said, ah, I can take it. I, you know, I, 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 meet, I, I can, I deal with all kinds of people. I came from a union. I, I, I came, I worked for a chamber of commerce. Um, don't think that I haven't worked with grubs before. So, um, so I went and, oh God, she raked me over the coals rolling her eyes, and when she found out I was a paranormal author, she goes, oh, God, you're not one of them. Oh. Like, I'm so tired of them going, you know, and just making stuff up on these walking tours. And I said, well, I'm the opposite of that. You know, I, I actually don't like what they do either. That's why I do what I do, you know? And it's like, uh, and she goes, uh, well, I don't know anything about you, never heard of you, uh, you need to send me your credits going back a certain amount of years. And, and uh, oh, and by the way, can you give me a ride home? So, <laughs> like, okay. So, uh, so I'm giving her a ride back to her place. And I just happened to have a copy of my book in the back seat. I forgot it, that I had one. And I said, oh, oh, well, here you go. Here's the book. And so she grabs the book. And she looks it over on the back. She immediately goes to the back title. She goes, wait. Are you with Bizarre Los Angeles? Yeah. And I said, well, I am Bizarre Los Angeles. And I said, so you've heard of Bizarre Los Angeles? She goes, everybody knows Bizarre Los Angeles. <laughs> so she suddenly became nice, okay? Yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, God, I should have said that from the get-go. I never would have been through <laughs> such grief had I just said, oh, I'm the moderator of Bizarre Los Angeles. That I keep forgetting, you know, and uh, um, so, yeah, that's a long-winded story, but you could find me through Bizarre Los Angeles. Awesome. And I put the link below, too. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Owens. Uh, you can find the book on Amazon. I have an Etsy store. You can find me on Instagram um, at Bizarre underscore Los underscore Angeles. Some people only know know me by that you know i'll be walking down the street or every or so i'll meet someone at a party and go oh hey bizarre los angeles and, yeah. you know and then i was giving a tour on hollywood boulevard last summer and some guy just went hey hey you and i went yeah he goes do you are you a photographer that takes like crazy pictures in hollywood places and it's like yeah he goes I've seen you, you know, he didn't know who I was or anything like that, but you know, every now and then that yeah. happens too. And, um, but Bizarre Los Angeles, you can find the book myriad places, uh, Amazon mostly. 
Um, you can buy it through my website on Etsy. I've got like a 40% off sale going on for yeah. a couple of more weeks. That was my daughter's idea. She's a senior and graduating soon, and she's taking a marketing class. And her teacher said, <laughs> "You take over as marketing for a month." And so <laughs> she go. wanted to do she wanted to do fifty percent off, and I'm like going, "Oh no, I can't do that." <laughs> but um, but you know, I agreed to forty percent, and so far it's been kind of fun letting her run the marketing. Yeah, awesome. We'll have to go check that out over on Etsy. Um, Craig, there's, I, I think there's so much more we could probably talk to you about. Um, but we're coming up on, I don't know if DD, I know we're at about an hour and 40. Um, so we are going to have to have you come yeah. back and maybe we can, can talk about some more of your investigations or maybe talking about how we can get better acquainted with where these stories actually come from, from some of our, maybe we can come up with like some of our favorite locations, DD, and get, yeah. throw those him, his way. Oh yeah. Didi, if you can kind of let us know like are we close to the the real yeah. story of these hauntings or is there something we're missing yeah yeah oh let me tell you there's so many forgotten stories about these places that even if even if i you know didn't believe in ghosts uh, which i i absolutely do um just some of the stories are just fun to to share anyway some of the, oh, yeah. i mean i mean you think truth is stranger is stranger than fiction in a lot of cases but um yeah i you know one i would love you know i know we talked a lot about evps and i described evps but um maybe next time we can actually play some and we can talk about you know yeah. specifically what what some of these points that i'm referencing and and uh, i think it would bolster you know things a lot better because I'm, I'm not, I'm never here to be an antagonist. I'm here to be a protagonist, you know? And, yeah. No, I love that. Everybody just, loves just, the EVPs. And just help Everybody people, you know, get on the right track and not get distracted by a lot of you know, noise that's out there. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was awesome to, you know, Dee Dee has spoken very highly of you. She loves those investigations oh, and well, let me to tell be able you, to meet. I, I want to praise Dee Dee a little bit. Um, Dee Dee has grown a lot. I mean, uh, I, and just, just, she's just kind of exploded, you know, and I love her social media. We've, she's interpreted some of my dreams and, and I think it, I've really enjoyed the back and forth but uh the biggest thing is i was so glad to have her on the first palomar thing because she really really was a good investigator and and um very confident poised mm -hmm. quiet which disciplined i guess that's the word i'm using very oh, disciplined thank you <laughs> and um and I, I, I didn't get to interact with her too much at the California theater, but this one, because it's a nice cozy thing, uh, I, I can't imagine that ever being as good a investigation had Didi not been a part of it. So, um, you know, and I'm meeting you for the first time, which is great, Sarah. And, uh, and I hope we get to interact and be friends as well. But, Absolutely. Uh, but definitely a big thanks. And it was an honor to be on this show. Aw, 
Thank you. Dee Dee is an she's a fan favorite. Everybody loves her investigative style, and she does get some amazing uh, evidence. I loved her she YouTube shares with video. Us. Yeah. yeah, I loved her YouTube yeah. video on the Palomar. Um, you said you thought you heard an EVP while I was giving the history, and you put it on your YouTube video. Was that when you were doing the history? I don't know if I included yeah. that one in the video. Did I? You did. You did. Is I was that talking the one? about the history a little bit, and then there was a pause. I think I was talking. It sounded like I was talking about the history, and then there was a whispery voice that came. Oh, that was the one that said, "Hey, it was because you were um, you were talking about um, the fact that it was Easter, and we were there." It was oh, like a was nine minute. Then? I think I okay. sent you the nine minute clip. So yeah. I don't remember. I just, I've heard the, the shorter version so many times, but yeah, you might've been, but yeah, it was, it was interesting that you were talking. And at some point after I hear, Hey, which I didn't hear, but in the, in the, with the headphones, I could hear it is that you, you say, I know you're here because you're not hearing anything, but it was actually talking to me. It's all, Hey. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I knew I, I, it, it was one of those times. It must have been, I was think I was sitting on the floor, wasn't I? Yeah, that. you know, I'll have to go through my stuff again because yeah. I, there was a couple of things like where I was unsure and see if, if I'm not 100%, then I don't know. I don't like do anything right. with it, but there was uh -huh. a couple of things with headphones. It's really faint and they're probably, there's always more than we're getting. I, I, have, an, I have another clip I need to send you and this was after... It was just me and another guy named Louie. And it was another voice that interrupted me. Oh, yeah, I would love to hear that. Early in the morning. And I don't know what was being said, but it was like just interrupted. Huh. Okay. So, and I heard it. I mean, that was oh. that was the thing. And that night we were just hearing things. And thank mm -hmm. God we had recorders. Yeah. To capture our insanity. Yeah. Well, that's what I loved about that was the fact that, and then it's funny course that I mean, you know it. And then like when we were leaving, it was uh -huh. like, then you, and then like the, the big rule is don't whisper. Right. Because if you hear whispered yeah. voices, you know, uh -huh. and so we're leaving and I'm trying to be quiet and I'm like, Oh my God, did I whisper? <laughs> we're all guilty of whispering. I mean, I, I can tell you all the ad nauseum, don't whisper, don't whisper. And then somewhere during the night, it's like, you know, it's like, it's just so natural. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Till All next right. Time, well, huh? Yeah. Till next time. We'll definitely have you back. I think people have some great questions for you. So, um, guys, next Monday, we will be right back here. It's going to be June already. How did that happen? Like, here we know. are. Yeah, here we are. It's going to be June. It's our so birthday month. It is our birthday. We're going to have to do something special again, Dee. Yeah. We're going to have to think of something. We'll do a little fun birthday month stuff. So, yep, the Blondes birthday month coming up. Um, so come join us next Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern time, and you can check us all out on our socials. Please go follow Craig. Go check out his book. Learn a little bit more about that actual history of those locations you're going to. Do some research. Find out where those urban legends are coming from. It might make a big difference. You might get more stuff if you get off the other story. And find the real story. Yeah. You might have a better investigation. Let's see if that holds true. Craig, thank you so much for your time. And we will see everybody on the side once again, like always. We see you, we hear you, we appreciate you, and we love you. Thank you so much for your constant support. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.